0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Just as you know, today is February the twenty-ninth and it's a significant anniversary of what, you may ask? Well, four years ago on this day, the first case of COVID-19 was recorded in this country. We were calling it SARS-CoV-2 at the time. It became later christened COVID-19, but that announcement was made. On this day, four years ago, it seems like more than a lifetime ago. Another significant anniversary which has just passed was last Saturday, which marked the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Now, the country has been continuously appealing for assistance from the West to improve defences and to supply weapons. But as the war continues, what is the fate of Europe if Russia expands their land ambitions. Now, Chair of the Parliamentary Committee on Foreign Affairs and Defence and Finnegal LTD for Leish and Offaly, Charlie Flanagan, has recently returned from Kiev where he had discussions with fellow chairs of foreign affairs committees and he's on the line now. Charlie Flanagan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. What was your mission in Ukraine?
1: Uh, Well, this was to mark the second anniversary of the brutal invasion. It was the coming together of parliamentarians from across Europe, EU plus, Uh, We were meeting our counterparts, parliamentarians, in Kyiv, under the speaker. We met the Minister for Defence. We met a number of of, uh, other ministers. We met representatives of civic society. And really what we did was gauge the mood uh, two years later. Uh, And it's one of uh, sobriety, sombre, serious, uh, while Ukrainians are defiant and resilient and courageous and brave. Uh, I was there last August, and I have to say that the mood in Kiev now is far less optimistic than it was in August. Uh, I think people are tired. Uh, people are weary. I think politicians are frustrated. Uh, and that, of course, spills over to civil society insofar as while business is still ongoing and being transacted, Uh, restaurants shops are open they're well stocked uh, business is being done it's obviously not business as usual Uh, there are less sirens less air raids because the air defense system um, is working well in the city however uh, everywhere there are scars of of uh, of missiles and drones the university for example that uh, all the windows are are uh, blocked up and and um, and boarded there's a hole in the roof. Similarly, some apartment blocks, office blocks, uh, a reminder uh, of the destruction. Uh, But people are getting on with it in a way that is showing continued courage and bravery. Uh, And of course, there are big asks for us in the West.
0: Now, uh, we are a neutral country, whatever uh, that means. I mean, in the Second World War, we were neutral on the side of the Allies kind of thing, uh, although we did have the spectacle of uh, at the end of the war, uh, the devil era condolences and so on. We'll park that one. But um, as a so-called neutral country, what was the ask from Ukraine?
1: Well, well I think there's an understanding uh, of the European Union, uh, and then countries outside the European Union like Norway and Britain uh, and Canada and the US and, and, and uh, I suppose industrialised nations coming together to help and assist the war effort. Uh, the, the ask of Ireland, uh, is a little different. Uh, firstly, there's an acknowledgement uh, of what we're doing in terms of the welcoming of, you know, almost 110,000 Ukrainian refugees here, um, and treated well by the Irish state. And that's very much appreciated. As far as the, 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 the military effort is concerned, there's an understanding that we don't supply lethal weaponry. We haven't got much in any event. Uh, But we are part of of the European Peace Facility. Uh, We've committed €120 million towards that, and that's the supply of non-lethal military product. Uh, We're part of EU advisory mission. Uh, But I suppose the frustration that they're showing towards the West is Ukrainian politicians say that there's a, a lack of a sense of urgency, that there's an absence of a strategy, that the sanctions are weak and not functioning as they should. And of course, it's weapons, weapons, weapons. Uh, and I was struck by uh, the, the constant uh, demand for weaponry. I didn't go to the front, uh, but I did have a call with soldiers on the front and I did go to a recovery center rehabilitation center and saw first-hand amputees and heard their story and that's pretty grim and their request is for weapons and weapons and weapons uh, uh, with particular reference to America uh, and of course Ireland's influence in America particularly with President Biden and our friends on the hill was important in that regard but all that said Pat, uh, Ireland is at something of a crossroads you mentioned at the outset, four years since COVID, uh, and none of us predicted or expected what followed with COVID. I, I think similarly with security, that the, uh, the February invasion by Russia was Europe's 9-11. Uh, and I think we in Ireland have got to realize that. And while you know, we continue to show steadfast support for Ukraine, uh, this is a massive challenge for Europe. Uh, and, and, and I think it's one that we in Ireland can't ignore in terms of our position regarding defence and security. I mean, I'm a practising politician here in Lee Offley. I consult with my electorate. You know, I hear housing, health, immigration. I don't hear security and defence, but I do want to hear it because I think it's a big issue. And I think it's an issue uh, that while perhaps not for this government as it's you know entering its last 12 months or maybe less. But certainly in the context of the next election, we're going to have to look at defence. Why, for example, don't we have a standalone Minister for Defence? We haven't had one for over 10 years. We hear Ursula van der Leyen talking about a commissioner for defence. Opposition, I hear, towards that coming from Ireland. But we're not really Mm. at the races when it comes to defence. And that's not to do with our neutrality. It's due to the fact that we have an inability to defend ourselves in challenging times. And 10 years ago, we didn't have this question of, you know, are we able to defend ourselves? Because it was felt that there was no need that, you know, our allies and friends Mm. from both uh, sides of the Atlantic would come to our aid. Do you believe, therefore,
0: should we be um, thinking about NATO? I mean, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, that's what it stands for. We're here in the North Atlantic. Um, We are sandwiched between the island of Britain and uh, the United States and Canada. Um, We are uh, a vulnerability, I suppose, given that we can't defend our own waters or our own airspace. Is it time for us to change tack, like Finland, like Sweden, and join NATO? Well,
1: well, I accept the fact that Irish people have no appetite for joining NATO. Uh, But the question you ask me is, Should we be thinking about it? Uh, And I think we should be thinking certainly about our defense. The fact that, for example, our nearest neighbor's Britain spends more on defense than any other EU state. That Norway, uh, you know, not known for its military prowess, uh, shares a border with Russia. There's anxiety there. We've seen the speed with which Sweden uh, and Finland, obviously they're closer to Russia, they're a greater threat than us. But we've seen the speed with which they ramped up and changed their defence policy. We've seen the way every country in Europe has ramped up and changed its defence policy. And Ireland is in a position of vulnerability. uh, Are are we a bit
0: hypocritical? You know, you mentioned we have influence in the United States. The very idea that a neutral country would be going over to the White House on St. Patrick's Day and egging joe biden on to supply the arms to ukraine that we in however small a way are not prepared to do
1: absolutely and i agree with that and i don't think leo varadkar is going to do that but this was an issue uh, that was on the table for discussion in ukraine Uh, and i dealt with it on the basis of our neutrality and i very much value our neutrality Um, but I think that, notwithstanding.
0: So, what purpose we, does we that do serve? do need to look at our defence. You, you say you value our neutrality. What purpose does it serve? I mean, it didn't do us a lot of good on the Security Council when we were there. Uh, the Security Council is dominated by those with the veto. So, um, what is the impact of a small neutral voice?
1: Well, I think what we're doing uh, is looking at more security and defence from within Europe. Uh, And I think the big challenge that Europe has at the moment is can Europe defend itself without U.S. support? Uh, And there's uncertainty regarding um, American continued engagement with NATO. We don't know what's going to happen uh, in the November election, but we do know what Donald Trump has said. We do know that Russia is more threatening and has threatened more. Than just Ukraine, it has threatened the Baltics. Uh, there are vulnerabilities in Moldova uh, uh, and the Baltics being members of the European Union. So we know that mm. Europe is less prepared. So Ireland is not even in that debate, uh, other than. So, should we uh,
0: join a European army?
1: An no, EU s-
0: army. We're a member of the EU. You are concerned no. about our security, our ability to defend ourselves. So, you don't want NATO. What about an EU army? What's, no, what's I, the issue there?
1: I, I don't think we're going to join a, U, a an EU army because Ireland is a neutral state. I accept what's in the program for government about military international organizations and EU army obviously being one of them. I accept a constitutional and legal difficulty. But what I'm saying is that we really should be discussing these things. For example, we have, we have supplied, um, and provided 90 million towards a stabilization and humanitarian fund in Ukraine. That is very well accepted and appreciated. We're part of the European Peace Facility. We're part of PESCO. We have a number of protocols with NATO, and I have no doubt that we're going to have to think seriously about further protocols with NATO as we strive to protect our undersea cable infrastructure. Mm. We've had access to NATO intelligence. Uh, we we have been a partner nation with NATO since 1999. We're part of the Partnership for Peace. Mm. There are several areas of cooperation, particularly in the so area of b- So basically what you're, you're saying is
0: that, that, that we're doing all this stuff, but uh, our yeah. neutrality is a fig leaf. That's all. Uh,
1: what, no. I I'm mean, if we're in trouble, are...
0: who's going to help us? Uh, you know, is China going to help us? Is and uh, North Korea going to help us. We no, depend on um, the United States to help us. We depend on Britain to help us. If, for example, do. the Russian subs were prowling around our undersea cables, uh, we would be depending on um, American or British or French uh, submarines to kind of shoo them away.
1: Exactly. And we are part of the European Union. And I take the view, and I've always done so uh, since we joined the European Union, that any club worth joining is worth defending. But this is an issue in terms of a debate, Pat, that we haven't had as an Irish, Mm. uh, uh, as an Irish society. But I believe the circumstances have now changed. All has changed utterly since the invasion by uh, Russia of Ukraine. And I don't think that Ireland can continue to be an outlier. And I think that we need to engage around the table with our EU colleagues about that changing landscape and what we're going to do as Russia becomes more threatening and our democratic values uh, come, you know, under real question and threat.
0: Yeah, Putin, as we speak, is addressing the Russian parliament. We'll find out what he's had to say for himself in a little while. Uh, what does Charlie Flanagan have to say about our own defence as a texter and its continued decline? Ignore our own troops' complaints, par for the course, but our European partners have called us out on it only this week past. He and yes. the should speak of air defence and assisting Ukraine with it. What about our own, or more importantly, the lack of it? All we can supply for Ukraine is words, words, words. Uh, something that our politicians are adept at. That's from Glenn. Uh, can you ask Charlie whether there's any thoughts on defence in the light of the war in Ukraine and the RAF agreement with Ireland? As he was a former minister with knowledge of it, We're defenceless.
1: Yeah, I think there are certain protocols with the UK that we enjoy and it's important that we have, again, in the context of European defence. I I, I accept that the Department of Defence is being ramped up uh, under recent times uh, with a greater level of investment. But if you look at EU spending on defence and people are talking about a two percent GDP mm. across the board. Ireland spends zero point two eight, zero point two nine percent. But Charlie, you swear GDP. you were never in government. Is the way change. you're talking,
0: you swear you were never in government. No, no. Listen to
1: you. It's a question of priorities, Pat, and these priorities are now changing. I said, for example, at the outset that we don't have a standalone Minister for Defence. I believe we should have one. In 2011, we brought in a specific standalone Minister for Children because of specific crises and needs that were needed in terms of the law reform of children. I think for the next election, after the next election, whatever shape the government is, that we should have a standalone Minister for Defence and that we should look in great detail at the report ...of the Independent Commission on the Future Defence Forces... ...which Michal Martin, as Minister of Defence, has set out a path for recommendations that would increase and beef up um, our armed forces so so as to allow us to play a greater role in the defence of our own country. I'll just remind you of what
0: um, Ursula von der Leyen has said, the European Commission President. Uh, The European Union must urgently wake up to a growing security threat. The cost of insecurity, the cost of a Russian victory is far greater than any saving we could make now. Um, She said uh, she wanted to, a push to prioritise joint defence procurements to reassure Europe's defence industry that it will be able to find buyers for its increased production to ensure it has sufficient quantity of material and the technological superiority that we may need in the future. That means turbocharging our defence industrial capacity in the next five years. Uh, She said that yesterday. So it looks like the EU is gung-ho to beef up defence production.
1: Well, I wouldn't say gung-ho, Pat, but what I would say is that Europe needs to be in a position to defend itself, having regard to the current uncertainties, having regard to the fact that uh, Donald Trump has said that if he becomes president, that his relationship with NATO will not be as is at the moment. So I think the question is, uh, you know, will the European Union uh, have sufficient capacity to defend itself from Putin without yeah, well, America we're, we're certainly, I'm not saying that's going to happen we're not, to happen. not
0: defending ourselves uh, another WhatsApp NATO would not take Ireland we're nowhere near capable of joining them and that's would, very true but I'm not advocating uh, that a 10 to 15 year project uh, ask Charlie yes. Flanagan why nobody has mentioned peace talks all contributors seem to constantly talk of the need for funding from other countries for weapons and equipment for Ukraine does nobody want to sit down and talk this out very unusual <laughs> only well, talking will end this war that's from Alan in Dublin
1: well, I'd say to Alan, the first one uh, around the table should be President Putin. And he has shown absolutely no intention of suing for peace. And even if he were, he's not to be believed, given well, his
0: statements. Julia y- yesterday, uh, the widow of Alexei Navalny, said that he was not to be trusted, that he's the head of a criminal enterprise and that no one can trust him at all. So uh, talking with him doesn't make any sense. A final one. For all our noble guff about valuing Irish neutrality, the truth is that it's an historical accident of geography. Nothing more, nothing less. It's useful to have some neutral countries in the world to help others resolve disputes, but that is it and perhaps worth maintaining because of that alone. But stop with this ridiculous noble idea that we're above it all. We just got lucky for a long time but maybe that time is up.
1: Yeah, I think there's something in that, uh, but that's why I believe that defence should be a matter of public discourse in a way that it isn't. We had, for example, the 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 the, uh, the series of public forums last year under Professor Louise Richardson. Uh, you know, which many people before it even started. Uh, attempted to shut down. I don't believe that we can stick our heads in the sand. I'm not advocating military alliances, but what I am advocating is, you know, a, a Department of Defence and structures within our own jurisdiction that will allow us, you know, do a little more than yeah, but we're Charlie, doing Charlie I'm satisfied you're that, adv- that is You're advocating
0: happening. that, but you're shuffling off the pitch. You're, you're standing down. So, I mean, <laughs> well, it's, I mean all, I'm, it's jaw, I, yes, jaw, I'm, jaw. It's better than war, war, war. That's what Churchill said. Anyway, on that note, Charlie Flanagan, uh, we will leave it there. Thank you very much for reporting on the mood in Ukraine. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.